What's going on, everyone? My name is Chris Sondevold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where I interview indie artists, content creators, athletes, and small business owners who share how they continually discover and maintain a balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. In this episode, I welcome Corey Oglesby of the Idaho-based band Monopines. This was a great way to catch up with Corey as we talk about his first record under the Monopines moniker, the writing and recording process for it, his journey with poetry and how it compares to music, and how even in those small moments of silence and recuperation, you're still learning and growing. Monopines' first release, Era Adieu, is available on CD, tape, and digital download at monopines.com and is currently streaming everywhere. Go check it out. It's a beautiful record. I'll have all of Corey's links in the show notes, so make sure to check it out. As a side note, I'm playing around with the idea of a Patreon and some merch. I'd love to get some feedback on what you all would like to see as far as any extra content and tier bonuses along with any merch ideas. Hit me up on Facebook or Instagram and let me know your thoughts. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and share the show if you can. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. But it's It's been really cool. I didn't think that I would ever be like... Even after doing shows and shit, like I never thought that I would be like geeky about audio at all. It's kind of inevitable, right? I mean, the more you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way. Like I'm, t- I'm suddenly like totally geeky about it after this album. Like I never thought I was. Yeah. Cause you, you did the whole thing by yourself, right? Yeah. Effectively. I mean, a lot of YouTube help and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I remade it a couple times because I kept learning how to do it right. And then I learned how to, that wasn't right. This is how you do it right. So, and I'm still not doing it right. <laughs> so. Well, it sounds great. Oh, so how, how, how's that? I want to get into that because yeah. I, think, I think that's been one of my favorite things that you've done. Awesome. Which is saying a lot for me because I've liked everything that you've done. Thank you. I don't remember what Flash Basket sounds like. But. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Yeah, probably, maybe. <laughs> uh, but that's that's the only thing that I, I don't remember. But this seems the the monopines. 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 Yeah. Uh, seems to be kind of a fruition of everything that you've been listening to, doing for the your whole life, uh, and kind of like a mature outlook on it. I feel like. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it, it it's funny. I feel like I do hear a lot of like there are there are like agent and the patient moments yeah. on it that I was like, oh, where the f- did that come from? Like, <laughs> well, I know where it came from, but I'm like, I didn't think that was going to crop up on this album. Right? There's right. more joy kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's it's sort of probably inevitable. You can't really avoid that. But yeah, but I I think it all really blends together really well, and I like I like some of the the stuff that's in there. The the first song seems to just kind of like end out of nowhere. Like yeah. you're, you're in the middle of the, the actual end and then just drops off. Yeah. That's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about because yeah. I think that happens a couple times during the record, maybe. Does it? Yeah. Maybe just the, the once. I don't remember. But I, I like it, but it just it's so jarring yeah. for that to happen the first time. What, what, what brought that on? I think that's, that's a hybrid. That's a bunch of things. I mean, I think it was a, d- a demo thing. It was in the demo. Okay. Because I probably did, you know, effectively didn't know what I was doing probably at the time <laughs> or, or just didn't know how to end it too. Okay. But then it kind of fit with the next song. I kind of knew that, that was going to be the one-two punch of the opening of yeah. the album, the how long am I out kind of thing. So it kind of fit and I just kept it. 
sort of like uh, I'm going under and then I just imagined the surface of the water, like the the tip of the boat just kind of finally going under. And it's like, that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that, that definitely fits because you eventually you stop screaming because you can't, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going under. I'm under now. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's either like I, I kind of heard submarine sounds, that little boop, boop at the end that other people have said they hear, hear like, you know, the heart line thing. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty heavy. But yeah, yeah, that's that's what it sounds like. I think the most yeah. is it sounds like it's going to that flat line for a second and then it goes into the the song instead which right. is great it makes sense because we've heard that sound most popularly and not a yeah. lot of people have heard what a submarine sounds like underwater <laughs> i guess but yeah well yeah there, there's only uh so many people that actually go under the water i feel like yeah but i i, I really i really like the the whole thing and and for you it's been kind of a journey to get back to music right totally yeah journey is a good word yeah because you basically left Maryland and went or well no you went to Frostburg for a little bit right yeah I was in Frostburg and um did music here and there but I was that was sort of post agent the patient and stuff yeah. and I just went back to get my finish my degree you know in 2011 I think yeah but and then you know Warren Joy came out of that time there and that was awesome and then that sort of ended abruptly and I went to poetry school and sort of left music behind I just didn't have the bandwidth for it so yeah, well, I want to talk about that because I, I think that's uh, an interesting look at everything. Mm -hmm. But let's start with how you got into music. So when, yeah. when did you start playing? Uh, I think I was 11. That's the number I remember. And I got a guitar and Andrew got went to get a guitar too. And I feel like I, I, feel like I heard this in the Minuteman, doc, Minuteman documentary. Yeah. But same thing happened with them. But like I think Andrew... Went to get a guitar and then was there and he can confirm this. I'm probably totally <laughs> making this up and was like, saw the bass and was like, that looks way cooler. And he got a bass. So then Matt was like, well, I guess I'm the drummer. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it worked, if it was exactly that way, but it kind of all happened all at once. And then the three of us learned music together. So that's amazing. And I, I think, I think that's shown throughout the time that yeah. I've seen you guys. Cause it always blends really well together and it yeah. feels like a natural chemistry on top of the the fact that you know the family ties are there, but totally. playing music, starting out with each other, yeah, that that baseline of that chemistry has probably got to be there to where you feel comfortable right out of the break, right? Yeah, I mean, I miss that chemistry. We haven't done it in a long time, and I hope we do it again soon. But um, yeah, I mean, like even when we towards the end of Agent the Patient, like even when we fucked up and had a bad night, it sounded like we did it on purpose. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not bragging, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like, we were just so in sync and like tied together that like, you know, if things went off the rail, the whole train went off the rail and there was just a new rail kind of thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. Probably because you, you guys can kind of feed off each other and you can figure out, okay, well, I messed up, but we're going to continue to keep going. And now we're, we have a whole yeah. other direction that we can kind of yeah. ride into, right? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, listening back to some of the live recordings, it was like definitely like now I'm like, I don't think I was playing guitar that whole t last song. Like, <laughs> like, like Andrew, Matt, you know, of course, we're like holding down the rhythm. They were impeccable. But like, I was just like, you know, just strumming and screaming and just really excited, which still uh, happens. I mean, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Strumming and screaming. Yeah. Not necessarily strumming chords, either, <laughs> just strumming the thing. The right. instrument. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like that's the most of the DC sound. It's totally, just I think strumming and, and screaming. Which is, I think, at the time I was like informed. I'm still majorly informed by all that yeah. music, 
but I think I thought that maybe that's what it was immaturely. But like looking back now, it's like you watch like instrument and things like that, like documents of those bands, yeah. like a Fugazi and stuff. He's rolling around the floor, but he's fucking nailing every. He's playing it just like the album. It's amazing to watch. And it's it's like, insane. He's not just doing yeah. what I was doing in Asian right, right, you know? right. Because I I started playing well, playing playing is a strong word because okay. I haven't gotten further than most of the open chords and like yeah power chords. But even that, like just standing up and moving around and yeah, playing, yeah, yeah. is just like a whole other level than when you're just sitting in a chair taking some lessons, yeah, trying to practice and keeping going, yeah. So to even then be as explosive as what you saw with like Fugazi and yeah. then kind of carry that with yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's it nuts the the level of precision that really. that people have. It looks like chaos, but it's completely controlled. It's not choreographed necessarily, but like it's under control. Like the song is being played. Right. Almost especially with that band. I mean, God, exactly the way they recorded it almost, you know, same tones and everything. It's like it was weird. Yeah, you you wonder you wonder how they do it, but I I think for them is they they recorded the way that they would play live for the most part, which is smart. Yeah, which is yeah. something I couldn't do with this album. Which <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of I'm thinking about like God back then too. I think I, why I was strumming and sort of screaming and not playing my part is because what's this phrase? My my appetite's always been bigger than my eyes or my mouth or yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like i would record i remember muscle do you remember that song yes yes i could never really play that song on guitar and sing those like rap lyrics that i wrote like because we, we that makes sense you know and i kind of did that with this album too like we played one show and it was an amazing show but like looking back at the footage and stuff that people posted it's like there are moments where i'm like not doing it right because i'm because <laughs> i because i you know made the part too weird or like too Right, right. Because you wrote it for an album for the most part, yeah. or like you wrote it for the the song, not even thinking about like how it would translate live. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote it by my, I recorded it by myself, which means I was writing it for me. Uh, right. While I was recording it, the recording process was like part of the writing. So I'm like, oh, that guitar part sounds really awesome. And it's like, it takes me 15 tries to nail it on the album. Cause I'm not that great of a guitarist <laughs> <laughs> reminded myself throughout this process and, uh, and I get it, but then I'm like, you have to be able to do it once right. the first time, like live, like it can't be, you can't stop the show and say like, wait, wait, wait let me try that again. And we, I've done that before, but <laughs> it's not good form. No, 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 no. Uh, it's not as bad as some bands stopping a show to tell you how great a baseline <laughs> Which is. Which I would never do. Oh yeah. No, yeah. Beachling, that's for you. I hate you. <laughs> but let, let's let's circle back a little yep. bit so you andrew and matt start playing music yeah yeah and then i think it was flash basket was kind of the, the first thing well the first i don't know what the first first thing i mean how far do you want to go back we had so many band names and visions <laughs> there's a cassette out there somewhere we were still making cassettes out of necessity not because it was cool, right, cool again right. but um where there's I bet you we could probably play this song. And I know Andrew and Matt know how it goes to it. It was like a Rage Against the Machine sounding song. And I okay. was rapping about some vague political issue that I thought I understood or whatever. So there was that. And I don't know what that was called. There was, a, there was an incarnation called PFL, which was, stood for Punks for Life. 
I mean, we're talking about 11-year-olds here. Yeah, I was about to say, we're, we're looking at like preteen <laughs> teenagers and being like, yeah, we, we know, yeah. we hate the man. We, we know what we're right. doing. And like, <laughs> Take just all the inspiration just or all the words that are around you. Searching for like, yeah, identity. Yeah, I got it. Totally. Yeah. And, then, and then we were, for a good, maybe it was like a summer, I don't know, we were ground zero. And this, okay. this was the summer of 2001. So we had to change that band name come September of that year. <laughs> I, yeah, I would think so. Though. And I think that's when we became Flash Basket. <laughs> yeah. And then we were Flash Basket through most of high school. And I yeah. think that's probably when we met. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And then I'm trying to remember even even when, because I, I was around like all of that, because I, I grew up in St. Mary's. So mm-hmm. the the Charles bands and, and the Calvert bands were always kind of mm-hmm. like fringe for me for the most part. And yeah. I didn't really go to, to too much shows when I was in high school. Yeah. I always went to like the DC shows, but yeah, like yeah. my brother's place was still kind of a thing. And yeah. that, that was really cool to, to be able to get like the, the all ages yeah. spots. And that's one of the things that I really wish was a thing now in this area that it's not, it's not really, no, there's, there's no real place for the kids to play. Yeah. That's a bummer, man. It is. Yeah. Cause you, you look around like now there's a big like metal and heavy rock uh around here scene around here okay but they're all adults so they can all play the bars they can all do that and the bars are actually welcoming original music now yeah which is really important it's not just the cover bands and a lot of that has to do with the cover bands trying to bring on the the actual like original bands which is really really cool but the the issue with that is obviously there's no real way to bring kids into a bar to play and have you know any kind of community to replace the the old folks that are are still playing but on the way out yeah totally it's so important i mean looking back like at the time i think we all had our complaints about the all ages venues like my brother's (laughs) place for their limitation or i mean we all wanted to be 21 we all wanted to be at the real show or whatever but looking back it's like that is that was so important that we had that venue and that place to feel like we had a spot i mean whether it was that place or like the shows you put on i yeah. mean we're in hindsight are so important they're, I mean, then they felt important too but you know what i mean <laughs> it's like for it for it to be all access and sort of you know well that was that was always my goal when i started doing shows all ages was like the most important thing that i could think of and it's still mm-hmm. one of the most important things that I think of now it's just a lot harder to do now, mm-hmm. mostly because I'm a 30 something year old dude. And I don't think that really goes well <laughs> with teenagers. But that idea stemmed from me seeing Mission of Burma up in uh, the Black Cat. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was when I was like 16. Yeah. And then being able to connect with a dude that was like 50 or 60. Yeah. Like legend. Yeah. yeah a legend. And he like, we talked most of the whole show because there was there was something where he was the the online forums were really big then oh yeah that was like pre facebook comments yeah yeah yeah. exactly i think myspace might have been a thing but it it still felt like proto myspace yeah and he was just saying something about like how people on the internet don't know what punk really is or or a b and c i I don't remember exactly what it is but he saw me agreeing with him mm-hmm. and he was like, that kid gets it. And mm-hmm. then we, we started a conversation through yeah. everything and it was one of the, the best experiences that I've ever had. That sounds really like formative and important. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Cause 
that shaped my whole idea of what a show should be, which is yeah. the generational gap yeah. and closing that and, and being able to have music really speak everybody's language and be a universal thought. And yeah. that, that really drove me to when I started doing shows and, and started hanging out with you guys a little bit and, and bringing that piece into it. That was one of the most important parts. Yeah. Cause I wanted especially for me seeing the the young kids actually express themselves and have a safe space to do that yeah that was just incredibly important totally and i i felt i i am one of the people that benefited from those kinds of things being available those platforms those spaces to sort of be punks for life and like <laughs> explore your identity and like find your voice and yeah i mean instrumental yeah i, I don't it makes me really sad i mean i don't I'm not plugged in enough, yeah, as a 33-year-old man, like, to know, like, what that, what shape that kind of venue or platform has taken now for young musicians. I mean, it, is it, is it social media? Is it, like... I think so. I think it's tough, uh, especially in, like, the rural areas. Yeah. Like, in, in Southern Maryland, where there is that sense of disconnect, and then the internet has kind of, like, compounded that mm -hmm. to where there's not really, like, a you can connect with people mm -hmm. and you can really find your niche on, on the internet for sure. But it's not that warmth that you get from seeing people face to face. And it's not that yeah. full community. Cause it's still like a faceless community. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are, there are people out there. Maybe, maybe someone's listening to this right now. That's like, you know, 17. That's like, dude, we're, we're having house shows every night. You just don't know about them because you're well, a 33 year old. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I know that's the truth. That's got to be the truth. But. I would very much like that for that to yeah. be the truth. Because I, I remember when I was doing shows, uh, Calvert was a whole beast by itself because it was doing some, uh, some church shows and then also a whole bunch of house shows that yeah. I had no idea about yeah. until I started like booking Calvert bands. I was yeah. like, oh, you guys have a whole fucking yeah, scene. The kids are all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean, it it's interesting or it bums me out to hear that about like something like Southern Maryland where there's just so many people and there's so much opportunity for that kind of thing to happen. I I'm sure it is happening. I just, I don't live here anymore. So I don't know about yeah. it. I mean, in Moscow, we're a way smaller town and everything um, and way more isolated from big cities like DC and stuff, but there's definitely a music scene there. And like we, they, it ha you know, we make it happen and like the kids make it happen and it's, they're, there are plenty of all ages shows and things like that. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's happening. It's just takes different forms probably. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So we're, we're looking at uh, high school for flash basket. And then when did Asian and the patient become a thing? Um, I want to say it was like right before senior year. So like okay. 2005. Okay. I, I don't know. There was a summer where we like wrote these songs and, we're like, these, these are way different, you know, right. These aren't flash basket. This, this feels like a sea change. This feels like a new thing. And then we were like, it can't be flash basket. So I feel like I remember that happening like right before senior year. Okay. And then, so that was definitely one of my favorite incarnations of your stuff, but I feel like it was an impactful spot as far as a, a sonically down here, because mm -hmm. it was a little bit different from most of the other stuff that was happening. Yeah, I think we were so probably self-absorbed as a band that we weren't <laughs> fully aware of like who, you know, what else was going on um, down here, unless we played shows with them and stuff. Right. And I, I do remember feeling a little bit like 
rougher around the edges. And I don't mean necessarily even in a cool way. I mean, just, you know, different from these other bands. And I, I'm, I've always perpetually felt like I didn't quite know what was hip. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. <laughs> like with, with Agent the Fish, I'm going to be like, uh, we're the only band on this bill that sounds like this. Like, are we doing something wrong or are we doing something right? Like, who knows? But we were having fun. So Yeah, it was, it was really weird. And I, I think it's still prevalent now where this area has like a, a big, heavier music scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's very much leans toward me- towards metal. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, that's kind of some of the same stuff that that was happening back then, where there was so there was a plethora of hardcore metal and just yeah. like aggressive stuff all the way through, and there wasn't as much for me to grasp onto because I'm looking for that more quote unquote the DC sound, right? Yeah. Like I want the angular stuff, I want the aggressive stuff, but yeah. I don't need the chug 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 or the, yeah, the crab yeah. walks of it all, and <laughs> that's. <laughs> That was th- that was the the biggest thing I feel like that was happening is is there was that big scene mm-hmm. of all the the heavier bands, especially in Waldorf, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. For me, seeing you guys and seeing some of the 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 folks that were like adjacent to you was just like a breath of fresh air. That's awesome. Yeah. So it it always stuck with me, and I was like, this is what I want to continue to like promote as much as possible. Yeah. Because it's something that like reflects me. And it was very hard to really find that. And I don't know if if anybody else feels that way now. I'm sure I'm sure they do. But it, it's tough to find in your local area something that really reflects you and like what yeah. hooks you in. I feel like. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know though. I feel like as I've gotten older, I'm just I'm just inspired and just fully satisfied by just experiencing anything anybody's made. I mean, it just it's so hard to make anything. Or it's become increasingly hard, you know, to find the time and to find the people to even observe it themselves or, you know, experience it and sit and listen. And uh, so that sounds like a really canned answer, like a crowd pleaser kind of answer. <laughs> but like, I really like, like everything now. It's like kudos for making it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I so I've started this podcast and just the editing process of this alone. Yeah. I respect so much more <laughs> everybody like yeah. even though the pop songs that you don't think about have like 70 stems with it yeah. and it's just like this is fucking enough that that over that uh, yeah <laughs> i would watch those youtube videos during making this album and would see that like people had like 50 tracks and i'm like am i not am i supposed to have 50 tra- like like what the fuck is this like a bell, like a whole track for like a bell that goes off twice. Like I don't like, am I doing it wrong? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it feels like it's too much. Yeah. It looks like it's too much. Cause it I'm, probably is too much. It probably is. Yeah. We're, we're going to go with that. Yeah. Cause I, I want to feel better about myself, but like <laughs> my experience with recording this and editing this and, mm-hmm. and trying to like EQ it and watch all the YouTube videos, like yeah. what you're saying. I mean, that was a journey for sure. And I still have very little idea of what I, what I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it sounds better, but overall, like sounds great. Thank for, you for the I, record. Yeah. I appreciate that. Not to interrupt uh, you. I still feel like there's so much more to learn. There's right. Yeah. I mean, there'll never not be. Yeah. That's what sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and the more you, the more you're on that, like where the whole algorithm is like next video coming up next, coming up next. It's like, it's designed to make you feel like you haven't reached any kind yeah. of knowledge yet. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good and bad. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I just think it's tough because uh, as technology keeps getting better and better, mm-hmm. then the techniques keep differentiating and then you're able to like 
figure out, okay, so this person does it this way, this person does it another way, and then neither of them are the same because they're using two different tool sets. Right. And you don't really know what works for you until you try it out and ruin some stuff. Totally. Yeah. I, I feel like I went full circle with that a little bit in the past year, like went down the rabbit holes and like watched all the things. It was like, I'm not doing it right. Oh, this is how you do it. Oh, this is how you do it. And then came back, you know, like, dude, a hammer's a hammer. <laughs> like <laughs> snipping silence out is snipping silence out. Like EQing and compression is like, it's never going to be different. Right. There's a million ways to do it and to tweak those knobs. But like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The frequency is still a frequency. You can still fuck with it. Yeah. There's 50 hertz, 60 hertz. Those, those are always going to be the same. And then there's always the video off to the side that's like, here's the Chris Lord algae way to do it though. And it's like, <laughs> oh man, well, how does he do it? Click. Yeah. And then you're just like, I'm never going to reach his level yeah. ever. Yeah. And and there's periods where you're like, well, my product sucks. Like you're convinced that it sucks because, because kind of your, the whole thing is designed to make you feel like it's not, you, yeah. you know, and it's it doesn't awesome. suck is the thing you have to remember. Right? <laughs> well, or try, remind, try to remind trying, yourself. Yeah, yeah. Trying to convince yourself when yeah. you're the only person saying that to yourself. Right. Uh, I, I feel like that's, that's the, the worst of it. I, I think I feel that most when I listen to my own voice over and over again oh, in yeah. my head. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, it's an hour or two podcasts sometimes and it takes me way too long to edit it cause I haven't figured out how, how to do it. Yeah. But it's, it's that echo chamber, right? Totally. You get into kind of like a cycle of, okay, I need to figure out how to make this work. Yeah. And then you look for it and you try to find it. And then you realize I've done everything wrong. Yeah. Or nothing that I do is ever going to be as good as what this person is doing. And I don't right. feel like I should ever release anything. Right. And then you just say, fuck it. It's time. You have to. You have to yeah. find that place one way or another. Yeah. So if I remember right, you had Agent the Patient and you recorded a few songs, I think an EP or two maybe. Mm-hmm. With that one EP, one EP, right, and one unfinished full length. Okay, okay, which still bums me out. Yeah, that that hurts my heart. Now that I uh, realize I, that I still have it, there's yeah, it's. I mean, send it to me because I'll I'll jam it. Never. Oh, <laughs> hurts. I'm just kidding. And then there was State Birds. Oh yeah, State Birds. That was just, that was really short lived, but yeah, I don't remember if that was recorded or not. We did some stuff. There was there was this time where Danny Welch and I were doing doing the State Birds thing, and uh, definitely there are recordings. With, and there's actually one that I sent to him semi recent. Well, so, at some point during 2020, and I was like, "Remember this?" And he's like, <laughs> "He's like, holy shit, yeah." I mean, feels like a lifetime ago, but it was this it, a song that I don't. I, I think we played it at that one show. Yeah, that we played. Yeah, I think it was called like "Your Face Is Covered in Blood." Or it was something, <laughs> some weird kind of like you know temp title kind of thing, right? right? But yeah, State Birds. That was yeah. I I just remember really liking it because it was again just different than what was happening. Yeah, because I I don't remember everything, but I I remember it being a standout for me. And then Warren Joy, I think. Yeah, Warren Joy. Okay, Warren Joy put out an album, right? Yeah, and there, you know maybe it's worth pointing out there was a huge chunk of time, but Warren Joy and uh, I guess we could then. Say most recent state of uh, state birds, state yeah. of birds. That would have been a cooler <laughs> band name. Uh, yeah, and then there was a big gap between Warren Joy and Monopines too. Yeah, so a nice grad school sized chunk of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what I want to kind of reflect on a little bit is 
some of the the recording process that you did when you were younger mm-hmm. versus you being basically thrown into the deep end with this project and trying mm-hmm. to figure out by yourself. Yeah. So do you remember anything from those those recording sessions that that helped or anything? the early early ones? Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the most fundamental the the groundwork. I mean, uh Matt and Andrew's parents bought us uh this Boss BR8. It's I'll, I remember like I could probably draw this thing <laughs> really young. I mean, we, it's like we got our guitars and we were still learning how to play them. And then we were all of a sudden really gifted this like amazing little, at the time it was the heart, the really thick zip drives Yeah, that yeah, you couldn't yeah. break if you tried, you know, they weren't the <laughs> floppy. Yeah. And I remember just, God, summers, like years and, and full, you know, full days of us trying to like recording on it, basically right. like figuring out all the, what all the buttons did and like what was reverb and like, I don't know how far we really dove into it, but that was why we were able to record our very shitty songs <laughs> where we're still <laughs> learning how to play our instruments almost right away. So the recording process is really baked into my notion of what music writing is and yeah. everything. I mean, overdubbing and things like, you know, the notion that you could try it again or like stitch two pieces together or like that's so baked in. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that in general is like sort of uh, the BR8. That was hugely important early on. But then with Agent the Patient, well, do you want me to, I could go through sure, each of these yeah. real quick. Uh, Flash Basket, we recorded with Dan Longfellow, who oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was our age. And just, I, I'm still amazed. That guy is a genius in so many ways. I haven't talked to him in forever. I think the last thing that I saw ever was he was doing like live sound. I, I yeah, he's. I think he owns his own business, which is insane. I'll have to talk to him too. We ought to. I ought to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, he recorded Flash Baskets stuff, that one sort of larger album or the last thing we did, and um, I think it sounds great. I mean, we recorded it at uh, on the name of the studio. It's we spent so much time there. It's offensive to somebody out there, <laughs> but was it um, local? Yeah. It wasn't Night Sky, was it? It was Night Sky. There you Holy go. Holy shit. Yeah. Why was I thinking it was like an acronym? There was DBF. I wasn't a There was uh, I think Dan KHM or something down in Solomon's or Lusby. We couldn't drive that far. No. We didn't have the attention span. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but Dan recorded it at Night Sky. Thank you for giving me that name back. Holy cow. And we spent so much time there. And like, I just, yeah. yeah, he, I learned. I don't think I maybe knew I was learning as much as I did just watching him do shit there. Um, but we did, you know, stuff like what's a DI box. Like we, right. Right. Prior to that, we were plugging right into the BR8. <laughs> <laughs> this, this whole fits this thing, you know, whatever. But yeah, so that was really important just to be in a studio environment. And then we went with Kenny um, McClure. Yeah. 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 That was the name that I was trying to yeah. to think of because if I remember right, he did a few of the the projects that are around here at that time. Yeah, he he was an amazing. I haven't talked to him in forever either, man. I <laughs> welcome from uh, blast from the past. I know. The whenever I'm whenever yeah. I'm back in Southern Maryland, I'm like, dude, I'm so bad at keeping up. It's terrible. Uh, but that's what happens I don't think when he's you're around here anymore. Anyway, I, I don't even know what I talked to him was. Anyway, yeah. he's he's like a recording like guru. He there's still stuff that I learned not even just about recording, but about music and writing and stuff from hanging out with Kenny that still echoes in my head. You know, I'm like, 
like like vibrantly. Like, yeah. you know, things that he said to us or just, you know, philosophies and stuff. I think he was much older than us at the time. I think he was like, I think he was 30 and we were like 19. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense because it's, it's definitely like the almost mentor role. It felt like, yeah, he, yeah. I totally consider him one of my early mentors with music. Um, yeah, we went to Sheffield and Towson and that just, I was like so terrified to be there <laughs> and yada yada. Um, but it was just the real deal. And it was like the big console and the, you know, yeah. the separate rooms, there's A and B. And I'm like, you know, we, we did it live. That we, we did the three track EP at his house here in the playdown, right down the street, actually. Okay. We did the full length that we never finished at Sheffield live pretty two days, maybe two days, but I feel like it was one long ass day. We did it. Wow. So the only thing that's missing from that unfinished thing is the vocals, which bums me out. <laughs> and I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I just don't think I could. Yeah, you don't you don't think that you have the the screaming capacity. I for could it? try. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna sound really weird. It's gonna sound like Tom Petty trying to do a scream scream while. <laughs> yeah. Uh lost my train of thought there. That's that sent me way back. But yeah, Sheffield. Yeah. So Sheffield and then um with Warren Joy, you recorded a little bit. Yeah. We recorded that whole thing in like a combination of like the basement of the, bu- the apartment building half of us were living in and my, me and Laura's apartment. And uh, Matt had just come back from, or maybe he hadn't just finished. He went to re- LA for recording school. Mm-hmm. So he, he came back and moved to Frostburg and like brought all this knowledge. Like we were able to do it and shit on a laptop. In a large, in large part, because he was able to, he's like, no, do it this way. And I'm like, <laughs> like shit. Like I remember, I remember being like, because I had always recorded my own stuff in between yeah. and the patient and there. I was doing all, I you know, gigs and gigs of demos and sketches and stuff. So I was familiar with recording and stuff still. But I remember he, one time he was like, nope, you can move the plugins around. Like put that one before that one. Put the compressor before the EQ. The yada, actual yada. chain and I was of like, it. Yeah. You can yeah. So I remember. <laughs> That being an important lesson to learn. It's one of the things that I, I found out early on that it definitely changes the sound completely. Totally. If you put one in front of the other. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, like this is really weird. And I don't know how any of this works, but right. there's presets. So that works. Right. I mean, these things are so like, what do you use doll wise? Uh, this is a Studio One. I've never heard of that. It's probably the for for me it's the most intuitive because it yeah. feels like the the most consumer friendly one mm-hmm. so far and the other ones that i've seen there's logic there's a pro tools there's all that but it's very like you have to know what everything is that's what i was gonna say. yeah i use logic and i've been using it for well before warren joy mm-hmm. and uh i'm still finding shit in there oh my god had i known that this did this 10 years ago i'd i'd have four different four additional <laughs> albums out by now but yeah i mean it's it's so much stuff that just getting a tenuous grasp of like how to just hit record and how to end it you know just like the basics yeah. is like enough for a long time and honestly again like it's you don't need to know more really m- much more than the basics you know to get an album out which i'm finding is really the truth yeah yeah cuz i mean you think about like there's that story of Billie Eilish where she made her and her brother and made everything mm-hmm. on a laptop. And that's how she got her Grammy or some shit from just a recording in, in their room. Mm-hmm. And 
you you look at that and you're like, that's not real. Like someone probably helped out with that. And then you look at like YouTube people that have millions of views that literally mm-hmm. are just making things in their in their bedroom yeah. and showing you what they're doing and, yeah. and breaking it down for you in a way that's easy to understand, which is just insane to me because that that communication piece of yeah. hey, this is actually how you do it. This is why yeah. the, the whole part in there. Like that's so hard to translate sometimes when when you're trying to find this stuff out. Totally, totally. And I want to, I sort of want to correct what I just said, like about or make more clear. Like you'd need to know more than re- hitting record. Yeah. Like the art of like engineering and stuff. Like my friend Nevada, who I just got to watch kind of at work on my other friend Desolation Horses album. Like just, it's an art. Like it's a thing. That, like we can all make it in our bedroom and stuff. I, I'm a, I have to say both things, you know right. what I mean? Or I, I feel both things. Like it's very easy to crank out like Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska quality wise, sound quality wise, like doing it on tape recorder or whatever. Songwriting wise, that's a different conversation. Right. But yeah, recording, you know, anything more than that or like, do you know, doing like really complex arrangements and like having like everything really be nice sounding is like, it's an art and it's a, there's a million ways to do it too. It's like, it really is like, you can hear different art, you know, production artists stamp on things, you know? For and, sure. Yeah. It's not even like the different styles. I feel like I've gotten really into uh, hip hop and just overall like lo-fi beats or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then one of, one of my favorite ones, cause he produces so much of the, the hip hop that I like is Kenny Siegel. And he definitely has his own style and stamp to it. And it's just incredible. Like you can, you can know just from hearing it mm-hmm. who produced that track because mm-hmm. they have their signature on there. Yeah, totally. And it's the same dude. I was just talking to, to someone about this and I forgot who it was, uh, as, as the producer's name, but he did title fight. He did, um, he did a whole bunch of mm-hmm. like emo post punk, uh, bands. And it's just, citizen he he did uh and it's just incredible because it's almost like one person having a signature sound across multiple bands mm-hmm. and it's it's nuts that you have like one keystone mm-hmm. of a person and now he's able to affect what millions of people are listening to in different Mm-hmm. styles ish yeah you can become kind of like a tastemaker too and yeah, yeah yeah so it's it's i think it's interesting and i, I think the the art of production for sure because i don't have it i can tell you that much i feel like it's a science but it's way more it's all your ear right like it, it's what yeah. sounds good it it's it what is. makes it's, sense it's what sounds good to you that's ultimately like that's the thing going back to those YouTube videos too. And just like, there is an art to it. There is a right way to do certain things. There are people that would say there's not a right way, right or wrong way to do certain things, like how to compress or whatever, like a, a baseline or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's ultimately it's like, does it sound good to you? Like fuck the right way. Like fuck what the YouTube guy says. Like, no, here's the way that you do like a parallel bus compression kind of <laughs> trick. It's like, yeah, okay. But I dig this. And <laughs> And I fell down that hole really hard yeah. in, in my rec- all of the recordings I've done, especially this one, and had to come back home and go, no, it sounds messed up, but that guitar line sounds sick. Like, I really <laughs> like that. So, so with, with the recording of the Monopines album, 
because you were doing it mostly by yourself, I mean, did you feel like you were getting stuck multiple yeah. ways through it? Yeah, for multiple reasons too. It's not just the technical stuff. I mean, that was a hard year for everybody. And there was, yeah, I mean, I didn't have a vision for the album, honestly, going into it, which, which you probably don't usually or shouldn't maybe even have a vision or like a roadmap. Like I didn't know how long it was going to be. There were certain times where I fell into like rhythms or like, you know, the idea that this was going to be like a concept album or that it was going to be sure, like 16 yeah. songs long and shit. And then there, then it was going to be an EP and <laughs> that's significantly different. Yeah. And there was going to be a lot more synth on it at one point, just, you know, I didn't have a vision. So that kind of made things take longer and make me kind of revise and cut away and cut away, add on, cut away, you know, it didn't really congeal until really post 2020. Okay. Did that answer your question? That was sort yeah, of an aside. Yeah, no, no, that, that's good. Because what I, I was going to, to think about next is for you, like there was such a big separation between the projects. Mm-hmm. We had, you had Warren Joy when you were in Frostburg and then you went to school in Moscow? Moscow. Yeah. Moscow. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you're, you're doing poetry yeah. and kind of pushing the, the music off to the side as far as just like in the back burner over. I mean, sort of out of necessity. Yeah. But there, there's another, a good, a really good friend of mine, Cameron McGill, who's an amazing musician. You, you, you probably maybe heard of him, Cameron McGill and What Army was, and, and also he's really stuff as Cameron McGill, but he, he came from music too, to grad school and we're both, he's doing music again too. And, you know, it's grad school, just kind of, you don't have time to, sure. I, I would, we'd, you know, diddle around on the guitar when I got the paper in, you know, or like if I was done with my syllabus and stuff like that, right. but so sort of out of necessity, yeah. But but yes, I mean, I had I pushed it to the side. So I want I want to talk about a little bit about the poetry itself because I, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with music for the most part, as far mm-hmm. as the structure of it and and just another way to like release your art. Mm-hmm. I feel like what was the the draw to that versus just trying to pursue more music. Um. You know, the way Warren Joy kind of exploded in my in all of our faces and sort of ended sourly and I sort of left Frostburg and I, I really I had always loved poetry and increasingly so over the years while living in Frostburg and stuff and wrote more and more of it and I just kinda wanted something totally different, to be honest. Like I was I I kinda didn't want to do music for at that time. Sure. And sort maybe sort of naively was like, Well, I'll just go to grad school then for a little bit and it's like that's all that's three years. That's a <laughs> That's a whole yeah, chunk of time, yeah. So, yeah. What drew you to poetry or... Yeah, because I, I don't think that you did a whole lot of prose, if I remember right, but I, I don't know. Early on, I think. Yeah. I, I, I fancied myself a, a short story writer, <laughs> um, but uh, like in high school and stuff. But um, poetry increasingly over the years, I guess between the time of like... State Birds, Age and the Patient, to Warren Joy. I'm going back to school, go, finishing my, my college degree in Frostburg and everything and taking classes from the poet Jerry Lefemina, also a musician, awesome musician. And him just sort of being immersed in it finally and feeling like, this is awesome. And actually, this tattoo, my only tattoo, is um, from Galway Cannell's Book of Nightmares because it was like this really, I remember this moment vividly, it was like the first full book of poetry that I had read. Okay. And this symbol's on the back of the book. And I remember finishing it and just putting it down and being like, holy shit. Like that felt like I just went to a concert, like an awesome, wow, like cursive, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. And I, like, I was like, I want to do that. So that was sort of a moment where I was like, 
I want to do that too. It wasn't like I want to do that instead of music. Right, right. But I was like, I want to figure out how to do that because there was no guitar, there was no guitar solos there. <laughs> or like, you know, fanfare. It was just like an amazing piece of work that like made me feel a million things. And, you know, so. It's, a, it's amazing what words on a page can do for you. Yeah. Because I, I feel that with literature, but even more so with poetry where it's, it's very much like, trying to capture an emotion, mm-hmm. but it's kind of hard because with, with poetry, you can definitely structure it and write it in a way that the pantometer or whatever the shit, like you can, you can see what the pattern is and mm-hmm. you can kind of read what the pattern is, mm-hmm. but it's, it's sometimes difficult to kind of grasp it if you can't really hear it sometimes, mm-hmm. I feel like. But at the same time, like the, the writing feels so much more emotional mm-hmm. And it really captures you, and and the good ones can can put you right into the the, the place that that they were feeling, mm-hmm. and and really like talk to you, and then like reverberate with you. And like I remember when I was when I was young, my my stepdad at the time gave me the Jim Morrison biography, mm-hmm. and I read that, fell in love with the Doors before even listening to the Doors, which is oh, wild weird. to me. Yeah. But I also read like his book of poetry and shit. Mm, I never read that. It's okay. Jim Morrison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh I mean it's the Lizard King, so he kind of goes off on a on a thing. Is the whole thing about his dick? <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a good there's a good portion okay. of it. Yeah. I think most of his stuff is. Yeah. <laughs> and if he's not talking about it, he's just showing it. <laughs> so it, but it was it was interesting to me because I was just like, okay, I mean, this makes sense that a musician is just putting out poetry, but it was just like a, it felt like a completely different approach to writing poetry than to writing lyrics. Yeah, very much. So. I mean, there's a bunch of my poetry in the my, my thesis, my which was a book of poems from grad school, was is you know sprinkled all throughout this album. <laughs> I'm sure my 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 mentors and Alexandra and Michael are mortified when they hear these. They're like, no, keep it in the book. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're, they're totally different processes for me. For, I mean, I would imagine for most people, I mean, you can say so much more with music, with, with the tone, the, you know, of the guitar even is like, you know, another line. It's another image. Like it just, it's so informed by so much, you know, peripheral data or just other data, you know. Poem is, is as well, but it's, Totally language driven. I mean, you've got several tools within the crafting of a poem, yeah. like line break and you know rhyme and and diction in general and things. But uh, you got your words, you know, essentially, and, yeah. and that's what you got. And you got to make it work. You got to kind of do sort of the same thing that a good song can do, like a, a good poem. And there's so much bad poetry, but like a good poem, when you feel it, you should it should feel. I th- I think, and this is you know probably stupid. But like, it should feel like a good song. It should feel like you just listened to like, what the fuck was that? that would play yeah. that. Read that again. P- plus play again. Like that was, I can't, I went into it, me, and I came out me plus. I came out me with like, what is, what is, I feel different. I just learned something. And I think people get frustrated with poetry because they feel like, what did I just learn? Or like, why, you know, it's not like, you know, what was the lesson of the story? What was this poem about? They feel like that was a waste of time because I don't know. I can't hold that thing, that meaning. But you should come out and embrace that feeling of like, I don't know what I feel. <laughs> That's what I like about it. Yeah, because then, then it's, it's trying to like reconcile what you're feeling inside. Like you, these words are, are affecting something. 
Sure. I I feel like for for the most part, like they should stir you up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's it's obviously a lot different than like a book where you have way more time to sit with a character or a feeling Mm -hmm. and really like have the capacity to flesh out anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, you know, you can there's there's fucking epic poems that can do that too. But there, it's I don't feel like it's the same. And I also. I, I would ask you, do you feel more vulnerable with the words on a page or with the actual sonic piece along with it? I'm, I'm think I'm, my mind went immediately to the, like that. My thesis, my, my book, my manuscript that I should call it my manuscript. I'm working on a book. I have, <laughs> <laughs> um, is, uh, there's far less of me in that. Okay. And there, there are more characters and sort of, you know, point of view lists. And that's not possible. Uh, Sort of, you know, like odd observations that aren't necessarily yeah. coming from me and th- you know, things like that. And I feel like the album is just like the Boohoo Corey show. And <laughs> like, it's totally <laughs> me. <laughs> so I don't know. I, that's kind of weird to think about. I, cause I, I've always, I've always thought about this where, and it, it's the same like stark contrast for me where you see just words on a page. Like that's, that's it. Like you're picking almost every single word on there because you expect it to be presented in that way. Mm. And like, you can even present it in all lowercase, you know, capitals with, with Mm -hmm. all these different punctuation parts or no punctuation. And it's just a fucking like free form, Mm -hmm. no structure thing. And it's, it's just, it's interesting to me because I always thought that was more like a bare uh, presentation Mm. and just a way to just be like, I don't have room to really mess up. Mm, like a, po- a poem is that yeah, way. Yeah. 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 I mean, my personal experience, I mean, the stuff I've done musically and recorded is, is written. It's all written just like a poem is. And it's been worked over by the band and then by myself. And, you know, nothing's the first take with me. It's the 50th take, you know, that you're <laughs> hearing. But still that 50th take feels like an in the moment, more kind of raw. Okay. You, you got what you got at 1135 PM on that Sunday. And that's what that, that's what that vocal track is. Be it the 50th or first, but with a poem for me, like I just, I'll revise it. And, and like, it never feels done. I think it probably ought to not feel done just like anything, but I'm more, I'm more terrified. <laughs> Weirdly. I'm like more scared of like the, like saying this poem's done and putting it out there, getting it published, printing it. It feels like, I don't know. Do you feel like it's more finite once yeah, it's out? For some reason, yeah, because it's like with the song, like you can always remix it if you want to. That or or the song will live on differently. We'll play it live differently, you know. Yeah, it'll, it'll continue to be remade and sort of reperformed, just like a poem will be reread and stuff. But most poetry is going to be probably experienced by the reader silently or maybe out loud if they're into that. Yeah, it, that that's what I was thinking. Like I have 15 versions of like my morning jackets, like one big holiday in my head, in my memory. Right. Because right. I've seen these different versions. There's one time where they played it really slow. So it continues to evolve and sort of change or whatever. People will cover it, et cetera, et cetera. Poem for some reason for me, and, it, and maybe this is stupid, but yeah, like I can't, I'm like, it's done. It's like etched in stone. I mean, it, it makes sense because like once it's on the page and it, it's out of your hands, like there's, there's only so much that you can do. Be like, oh no, I'm actually going to write a different version of that now 
So you people guys, do do that too. Yeah. I, I love that when I see that. But yeah, I think Allen Ginsberg maybe did a little bit too much of that. Like there's, you can definitely overdo it, but yeah. Because I, I feel like if you write over yourself, you it's almost like over analyzing it and kind of like going through it so much that you can stop yourself from even releasing it. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I I just I don't I don't know like I feel I feel like poetry like I like the finite of it where once you once it's out once people are taking in because it's it's almost more individualistic with that like music is is definitely individualistic but can be shared mm-hmm. across such a, like a bigger thing mm-hmm. and poetry still to me has like this prestige of being like on a or in in a living room next to a fireplace mm-hmm. like you're mm-hmm. you're reading poetry there like there's still kind of like that that old school image of it rather than with music it's it's almost freeing to where you have this this form of art that you can share with so many people and you can talk about it so much. And mm. it, it's not like, I think when, when music wasn't such a big thing and like Ginsburg, like um, what was the, the other ones? Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, but a lot of the Robert Frost, like there's only, I feel like there's only so many poets that pop culture knows, but there's so many bands that pop mm-hmm. culture knows. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. I mean, I, it's probably a tragedy in some way. I mean, or, or unfortunate. I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen poetry readings that bloated like the, the great rock show. You know, I've read poems that, like I said, make me feel like, like what was that? And maybe I'm a dork or something, but, <laughs> but I mean, they, they're, they're not the same as going to see like a veil live yeah. in a basement or something energy wise. But Again, it's it's the the going in and coming out like you plus something is really just my end goal for anything I write or anything I take in experience from other yeah. people. I'm just like, did it change me in some way? You know, cool. I like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, but yeah. to, to like try to equate them in my mind, it is is gonna. I'll misspeak. I'm sure I already have. <laughs> you know, or say something I don't even know what I, you know. But no, I I, I dig it. And the, the idea of it, of feeling like you can, you can continue, like you can definitely rewrite or, or add to the, the poetry, but you have your full, like once a song is out, you can play it like what you're saying in so many different styles and so many different takes mm-hmm. and shit. If a, a string breaks while you're playing it, you can still keep going in a different way if you need yeah. to. Yeah. So it's like you, you don't have maybe that same cushion when it comes to poetry. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, I could go up and read my poem in Spanish or something that people, <laughs> you know, or like do something to like present it differently or like have, you know, like visual art behind me, like on a projector or something. Like you could definitely like do stuff like to change yeah. the experience of it. And people do. And it's usually amazing. But uh, yeah, I, I personally feel like it's a different, yeah. Well, also like poetry, because there's so many different languages out too. And the way that each language structures stuff is completely different. Mm. And that's, that's something where like it may not fully translate. Like mm-hmm. even, even with music, like you have, you have people that, that sing in Japanese and then do an English hook. 
mm. or singing Korean and doing English hook, mm. which is always interesting to me. But the the way that they sing, the way that they break the words, the way it's it's all would be completely different if the whole song was in English or the whole song was in Korean or or, or Japanese. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that translates well with poetry mm-hmm. when you're looking at it because like the actual language and the and the way that you write and the way that it's structured can be completely different than what you're used to. Sure. I mean, th- I'm thinking of there's definitely poems. There are definitely poems that have different languages in them and, you know, for, for various reasons it affects. But yeah, I feel like I'm, my abilities as a poet feel very limited. Like the the, okay. the tricks I can pull out, I, maybe that's where I should what I should say. Like, you can do amazing things with poetry, endless things, be it on the page or presentation, or whatever. But like, I guess I feel like for me personally, my it's an it's grad school probably leftover imposter syndrome. It, sure, it, it, yeah. it's like I feel like I don't know my my tools there are limited. Like I know how to do a couple tricks. I'm like here they are, da-da. you know. With music, I feel much more like. I have more to say and mess around with, and you know. Well, one you're you're intimately more familiar with. I feel like. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. So it's it could be just like a familiar thing or a confidence thing, even where you know, okay, I know what this E chord is because I've been playing it for twenty years or whatever. Right, and also poetry remains so important to me because it's I'm bewildered by it i'm i'm it's mysterious to me it still feels like like i'm i have a master's of fine art and poetry and like whatever like it's <laughs> i still read poems and i'm like what the fuck is this voodoo right. like what is this magic yeah so do you feel like you found your voice at all yet in poetry yeah i haven't written in so long and, yeah. yeah i mean i feel like I, I i got closer to a voice in grad school with the with the help of my and friends and mentors but yeah i mean i don't know when that happens for some people just come out of the gate and they're like amazing and you're just like ah that's that's with everything and you (laughs) hate them or you want to hate them and they're just like why (laughs) are you so nice like why are you so cool why are you so good at this i hate you uh (laughs) why can't i be you i I think Mm. that that, that's always part of it yeah but um i got i got closer to my voice for sure i think the i think the music was Come do it, going and learning what I did about poetry and like what I continue to learn and everything and and just other things that I, everything else I learned in grad school, which is you know endless things, like came back came back to music afterwards and like had all this new stuff. I had all this new data and new tools and like you know ways of seeing songwriting and things like that that are and you know that I got from grad school. So, do you have anything specific that you really took with you with the the monopines or monopines record? <laughs> God, mean monopines that that we'll do a different a different like <laughs> New Year's Eve monopines will play. Sorry, yeah, I haven't really thought about this, and especially out loud to anyone else, but like <laughs> or worked out my thoughts about this. But like one one thing that I remember, like a technique that really stuck with me, or that I was like sort of mesmerized by, was the poet Larry Levis, who became one of my favorite poets of all time in grad school. Uh, my my teacher Alexander Teague, who's just a brilliant poet. We talked in one of her workshops about um, this, what I think someone called the outrippling effect of his poems. So sort of an, Im- an image or a stanza or, or something that happens in a poem sort of ripples out through the poem and maintains meaning or shifts, me- shifts meaning. And, but, you know, it, it, 
it sort of informs the rest of the poem. This one splash of the rock and the yeah the way it, the way it blasts open at the beginning of the poem, like sort of like there's evidence of that throughout the poem, and and his image just sort of unfolds. I think this is more what it is. The image unfolds into these other images. Yeah, and there's always kind of like a through line almost for maybe it. maybe not even, but like it's it's yeah the the outer wave of the. Image yeah. that, the, you know, the, I feel like I'm sound like total full of shit right now. I'm trying to <laughs> well, remember like what this paragraph was. <laughs> that makes me think of like a riff or like a, a line that you can kind of like build off of and have it, you can manipulate it throughout everything and maybe kind of have it reverberate through everything. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe I'm misthinking about this. I don't know, but like, I think it, formed sort of this new direction of my song my songwriting went in sort of the songs I was writing during grad school sort of in the background or whatever like mm-hmm. and then especially monopines like just stuff building like um maybe starting small and just getting bigger like I feel yeah. like obliged kind of works that way um it just doesn't necessarily have a chorus or anything but it has this sort of energy that by the end is just sort of like almost like blurring out towards the end it, of the yeah it almost kind of like washes out yeah. 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 I'm doing a lot of stuff right now with my hands. So I realize it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a really, it's a really good way for an audio uh, <laughs> medium to, to really present yourself. Yeah. Uh, I do it all the time. I, I don't think that I can speak without moving hands. Yeah. I try to. And then even like uh, when I, when I interview people on the, on the computer, I always yeah. have to have something in my hand. Yeah. That way, like, even if they don't see it, I'm still playing around with something because there's no way that I'll yeah. be able to talk without doing something with my hands. I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. So it's got to have something in there. Totally, totally. But yeah, I, 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 like, I like that idea of, of almost like a, a theme or, or an image of it and that being like the, the overall kind of driving force or just always kind of in the background affecting the different scenes. Yeah, I mean like um, the, the thing informing itself in new and interesting ways as it goes along, yeah. Hopefully, if if it, you know if you're doing it right, I, I guess I'm I'm trying to say like it it helped me break out a little bit of the like song the intro verse chorus verse chorus kind of thing bridge yeah chorus. yeah I think, I think of I think of song structures more like that now more like poetry now sort of like you can kind of do whatever you want like a sonnet's a sonnet but you can do so much within it and you can and as I'm saying this I'm thinking about like how many songs do on this album go. Or first course, first course. <laughs> but well, there's there's always so I've always had this idea of a song that never like repeats a part mm-hmm. for the most part and has kind of like a through line and, and tells a story, but it has kind of there's not real structure with it. Like you don't mm-hmm. go back and and have a, a traditional chorus, kind of like what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think this is why, but it feels as a whole. And it's- yeah, and I think this is why I, I've always kind of gravitated to some of the stuff that you've done because I, I feel like it's one of the closer things that I, I has reflected that idea that I've had mm. where I don't really want to hear the same stuff over and over again, even though mm-hmm. that's the rhythmic part. That's the way that you mm-hmm. get like sucked into the song. That's because mm-hmm. I, I don't, I feel like you can do so much more yeah, and you don't need to just repeat the same words over and over again in mm-hmm. different styles. So there's different approaches, and I, I've always had that in the back of my mind of of really like having a whole song that doesn't repeat parts, that doesn't really repeat 
that much and can kind of continues to to grow into this and have a strong conclusion. Mm-hmm. I think the closest to that that I've felt is some of the classical music mm. where it really like crescendos, decrescendos, really builds in, but it's not like playing a, a pop song that you hear now where mm-hmm. it's not like a three or four minute, okay, we're going to have this huge hook and mm-hmm. then this booming chorus, there's going to be a drop here. There's like, there's that formi- formulaic part of it. And I always felt like it could be a lot more freeing if people kind of opened up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. It can, it can be. I think also, I, I, you know, I sound like a flip-flop, but I mean, I think that's kind of how I think about this stuff. Like sometimes you like, you to repeat it like give me that yeah. chorus again motherfucker it's not a, <laughs> it was so good do it eight more times you know what i mean like sometimes you 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 need that you know it's kind of re- repetitive structure i think about like lungfish it, people hate lungfish but i'm like i love i love the riff that they did and i love that they did it the whole song <laughs> like it never <laughs> changed it like i don't know so i listen to a lot of instrumental music now mm-hmm. and a lot of it's heavier, but it's a lot of it where it carries that riff throughout the entire way. And like mm-hmm. they'll they'll have a bridge, they'll they'll kind of drop it and then go back into it. But it's almost always that repetitiveness to yeah. it. And I, I think about that, and I, I think about that with with uh, more traditional uh, songs too, where that verse, chorus, verse is in there, and it's it's just like this is cool. And then I realize that like most of music. And the way that it's taught is taught in kind of that box, unless you're mm-hmm. maybe fucking around with theory, which probably shouldn't be a thing because then you're just doing math, I mm. feel like, at that point. And it's just which, too much. Which can be fun if you're good at it. I'm not good at math. So <laughs> it's not fun for me necessarily. <laughs> I, so I, I'm, I'm terrible with, with, uh, with playing anything now, but it fascinates me. Like all theory fascinates me because yeah, it's, it's just like I could write stuff down without ever playing anything i feel like when when i'm studying stuff like that because it's all just notes on a page it's spacing it's knowing what the beat is it's it's all that and it's 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 all numbers and and symbols at the end of the day for the most part it's terrifying yeah yeah and then translating that into something that is sonic is it's audio is insane to me because you can literally like you can read sheet music and hear it in your head yeah which is, I, I can't yeah, <laughs> well, yeah some people can't like that I, sounds I, awesome <laughs> yeah well I, I saw this picture of, of this dude like on a bus or an airplane and he's just like reading sheet music yeah and i'm just like can do that and it's yeah like it can tell a story by itself but it's just insane that music can be literally just like yeah. whittled down to black and white on a piece of paper yeah, it's it. No, oh God, I mean, it's on my to do list. I really <laughs> want to learn how to re- read music. My my partner Chloe, who's on the album, plays cello. Amazing cellist, can do that. Can I mean, I I did that for. We've done that for a couple songs together. Yeah. Where like I I used totally cheat and use Logic and like <laughs> turn MIDI into sheet music and print it out, put it in front of her, plays it perfectly, and I'm like, oh my God, this like, is better I want than that even superpower. Could, yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, it. I don't I, like. I understand it, and I remember doing that in middle school or high school, and then like forgetting all about it because I was just like, 
punk rock's fine enough. Mm-hmm. Like three three chords is fine. Yeah, I don't kind of all you need. Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't need all the other shit with it. And have you seen the? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. The Paul McCartney and Rick Rubin thing. No, I have not. There's a part where he's talking about like piano. And he's like, you only need these chords. Look, and then he just kind of demonstrates how that's true. And it was, it, I was like, yeah, see. But then also, <laughs> fuck you, part more. Like, he's like, you only need these three. And then he goes into this amazing improvised melody. And you're like, yeah, you also need to be a genius to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I think that's the, the piece that uh, he's not talking about is that, yeah, you can use this as just a foundation, but then there's all these noodling that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah you can, there's a fucking scale that, right. that you need to know about. And right. it, you don't, you can just hit things and see how it works. Right. I, re- I need that to be true. I was going to say I believe that, but I was like, I, yeah. So let, uh, I want to go into the, the Monopines record a little bit more. Um, yeah. And where, where did this come from? Because it sounded like from what we we're talking about, this was always kind of in the back of your mind when you're still pursuing your, your grad school stuff too. Some of the songs, I mean, well, like Rain Applause is really old. That's okay. That predates Warren Joy. It's just a demo I had and it's, I mean, it's, has been refreshed and updated, you know, the lyrics have changed and everything, but, um, yeah, I mean, actually, I don't know if any songs on this were written during grad school. Okay. I was working on music though. And I have a couple of songs that were, that you probably will never hear that were, oh. that were written. I mean, just cause they were like given half attention. I was, yeah, you know, yeah. I was like, yeah, but none of that's on, on the album. So how was we we talked a little bit about the recording? How was the the writing and recording? Because it really goes hand in hand with this, where mm-hmm. you're you're learning as much as you can going through the whole process. Mm-hmm. Did you have people also that you could bounce ideas off of? And, yeah. Okay. Nashit, uh, uh, the bassist, he's he's an amazing engineer and an endless bank of knowledge uh, with this stuff. Yeah, he was instrumental. I mean, when YouTube ran out of videos. That sometimes I've bothered him before I even Googled it, you know, helped Im- immensely with that. So he's from New Jersey too. He's a nice guy. So oh, nice. We speak similar languages. Yeah, yeah. And then some, some a little bit more. Uh, he's not Jersey Shore, is he? I don't know. No, right. Like I'm thinking of the MTV show. He's yeah, not like yeah, that at that's, all. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I think about now. <laughs> like anytime that I think Park. about Jersey, I, I think about that or like just right outside Philadelphia. And those are, I think, the only things that I know about it. I don't. I don't want to know what they think about when they think about Southern Maryland, but uh, probably. Have you seen Letterkenny? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, skids, rednecks, uh, huh. jacks. That's that's pretty much okay. All that's down here. <laughs> right. Every like every like time, yeah. Every time I, I watch that, I was like, oh, that that happened in St. Mary's for sure. <laughs> like, there's definitely like a fruit stand there and there's yeah. definitely like a heroin addict somewhere yeah. just kind of like chilling out in the background and yeah just being greasy yeah that's yeah. uh <laughs> every every time i see that and i was just like oh this this feels like home <laughs> but yeah i i think that's that's probably really really important to be able to where you're not caught in your own head the entire time right yeah and and chloe was super instrumental too i mean i definitely have people to turn to and show bounce to um did you know alexandros like yeah he he listened to he gave me good notes. Cam Cameron McGill gave me great notes. Like um, yeah, I was pressing the buttons and stuff and making all the decisions ultimately. But like it was, I totally had ears and support. And um, thank God, you know, <laughs> that helped me helped dig me out multiple times because 
Yeah, I mean, if it's just me in a room in a vacuum making decisions and committing to them on this album and like just no outside, that's uh, that's hell. That's, yeah. that's that would be my definition of hell. And there were times where it felt like that with this album for sure. But yeah, because I I would also think like so we were talking about how it's. 2020 when you're really going through this whole thing right pretty yeah i started really working on it in earnest like probably exactly a year ago no early summer last year yeah okay so right right in the middle of lockdown and all that right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so because i i would i would think like there's there's so (laughs) there's so many of the the pandemic podcasts and the the covid cast Mm. All the, uh, yeah, yeah, because everybody's at home yeah. and be like, yeah, I can talk into a microphone. Yeah, that's fine. Someone will listen to it. Uh, that's obviously the way that I approached it. Um, <laughs> but also the the like the the creative process when you don't have anything else going on. Like what mm-hmm. I what I saw is that there were touring bands that had no idea what they were going to do whatsoever, mm-hmm. and then there were some bands that are like, okay or some groups or some people that were just like, okay, well now I have time to really like write mm. and really like go into this project and really mm-hmm. like it find the, the through line for it or find the, the foundation to where I can like let it grow. I feel like if you were kind of your own echo chamber, like what you're talking about, that wouldn't have been able to really produce anything if you didn't have some of that support around you. Yeah. I would say that's accurate. Yeah, because then the pandemic would, for for the most part, from what I saw outside looking in, is mm-hmm. that you you were people were so shut off from each other mm-hmm. that all they had was this like innate need to like connect mm-hmm. in some way, and then they didn't have that ability to really like bounce ideas off of each other that much. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's partly that, I, but I also think um, there were certain. Beyond like, you know, Niche and Chloe and, and people that I was like directly always reaching out to and pestering about this thing. A, a good handful of the songs came from, on this album, came from a songwriting group that I, that my, my fen, friend and bandmate Dylan uh, Champagne, he's an amazing musician, you should search him too, invited me to. And some, some people I met in Berkeley via Zoom and we just, yeah. it, it was, we'd write songs and share them together and stuff every, first of every month throughout the pandemic throughout 2020 and that was oh my god what a life that's amazing that was yeah. a, that was a huge i don't know you know window looking out that connection with other people yeah. that was extremely yeah important to me in 2020 and to this album yeah I, I feel like that would be tough to just uh have these monthly zoom calls and mm-hmm. trying to like record everything by yourself and then send it up is that kind of the, the process for it or yeah and it's it's not like record gorgeous thing it's like re- yeah, yeah a demo get, or whatever. get your ideas down and like you know just have fun you know it's just like make something and then we'll talk about it and it's like so supportive and so beautiful and really got me stoked about music again in a refreshing that was going to be the the next thing that i asked you because there was such like a, a big gap like where did you find the really the inspiration and then the drive to do this record um the time was a big having all the, like you said, all this spare time was like, well, shit, what am I going to do? <laughs> I can either like get in shape, which isn't going to happen with me, <laughs> or I could, uh, I could build a ship in a bottle, you know, get really into Legos or something. I don't know. Like I can, yeah, yeah. and I was like, well, I need to 
or I could work on my book, which would have been the right thing, but I was a little burnt out on poetry. So yeah, I, I didn't want to look at the book anymore Yeah, at all. I had sent it off for, to some contests and I was still sending poems out and stuff. And I just, I just hit a, I was like, if I keep touching this thing, I'm going to hurt it. I'm going to break it or, you know, like I'm, it's, it's not that it's perfect and I need to stop messing with it. It's just that like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm jaded with it and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm not going to be kind to it. So yeah, time, having all the time in the world and, and, you know, the privilege of that time to be able to do it. And, you know, I had a good job. I had an ama- I have an amazing partner who's supportive. I think that's also a huge part of it. Just that Chloe was like, yeah, do it. She was the whole time, you know, as much, even when I was just totally absorbed in it and probably being a terrible boyfriend, <laughs> she's just still supportive. And, you know, so that was a big impetus too. And, um, yeah. And then uh, just, it felt good. It, I was like, you know, the first song, I think one of the first songs I wrote is uh, I Feel Power Down, which has changed so many times. At one point it was a serious song and then it, now it's, it is officially a goofy song about <laughs> judging oneself at a party. And it's clearly pre-pinned in it because it's about being at a party. But Right, uh, right. I remember that being like one of, that one and then Anywhere, which okay. was called Chloe for the longest time because I wrote it when we started dating in 2019 and um they i was like oh like this feels good you know like yeah. it, it, it kind of was jaded with the poetry and i was like these early really slow like anywhere was really slow at first and, and they were totally different songs but I, the little scratch recordings i had made just felt new and i was like well let's chase this one this rabbit for a minute like this feels really good so, how refreshing was that well super refreshing but also like because I'd spent so much time away from music and because like Warren Joyce sort of ended badly, I was a little like, let's chase this rabbit. But also like, I feel like it's going to turn around and like have the, like a human face or something. It's like, <laughs> I'd be a nightmare. Like, I, do I really want to like yeah. do this again? Or like, can I even do it again? You know, a lot of self-doubt, got self-doubt to spare. I think that's most of our generation. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, I know, I know it happens with, with my stuff, like pretty much all the time, ever since I started. It's part doing, of it. Yeah. yeah. But like you said earlier, you got to eventually say, fuck it. Like, <laughs> this is who I am. Like, it definitely helps when you have that, that external voice mm-hmm. for that, that kind of like, oh yeah, you, you can do it. It's fine. Like get, get it out there. And that, I never thought that anybody was actually sincere when they gave me any kind of positive sure. feedback. Cause I was just like. You guys just like me? Are you sure? Like, because mm-hmm. none of this sounds right to mm-hmm. me. And I, like, I appreciate what you guys are saying, but it doesn't feel real mm-hmm. because there's no like critical look at it, if that makes sense. It's critical though. I mean, I, I think most of your friends are like usually telling you the truth. I mean, a, 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 a good friend will tell you like that does kind of sound like shit. You well, know? I was <laughs> hoping for that and I, yeah. I didn't get a whole lot of it. Well, then no. you're probably doing it right. Yeah, maybe. But also, like, it, I think it comes back to you still. Like, yeah. you could have you could have the most brutally honest friends ever, and they could still say, "Wow, that sounds pretty good." I wouldn't touch anything. But you're still gonna have to be the one that's like okay with it. That's what I for me. Yeah. I don't know. I like anywhere was the single, and that was warmly received by friends and friends. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> else was listening to it, or even still is. But um, and that felt really good. And, yeah. the, and the rest of the album sounds generally like that song or like the, you know, I was worried about like the drums and shit and I still don't like them. They're going to be better on the next one. But uh, 
and like people were like, oh, the bass sounds great, or like I really like the lyrics, and like cool. Well, that should make me feel like, well, then you're gonna love the rest. Here you go. But right. I still was like, I mean, I was even I tweaked tweaked anywhere after the single was out, which is probably bad juju, but <laughs> it still came down to me being like, I have to like it. I have to be yeah. okay with it. And um, as of now, I still kind of like it. I'm not going to listen to it again, ever again, probably. <laughs> but I've tested it on different cars and stuff to make sure, like, you know. Overall, I'm driving my mom's okay. car right now, and I'm like, does it sound good in here? And I'm like, nope. Still <laughs> sounds like shit here, too. Great. <laughs> but Well, if it makes you feel any better, it sounds good in my car. So, oh, uh, that because that's, that's always, like, the, the car test, I feel like, is one of the last few ones that you go with. Yeah, I mean, throughout most of 2020, when I was doing car tests, I had... I mean, I used close close car, but I had a '94 Camry. That's not doing it. <laughs> but but also, I would do tests in there because I was like, well, it's got to sound good in, in this shitty car too. Like, yeah, and, you know, there are shitty cars. There, are, and I, I have one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like there's there's probably more of those than there are good ones. Yeah, because that's I mean that's that's how I look at it and 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 say okay, you know, it, it sounds fine here. It's yeah. It's it's over. Like I can't knock out every single stutter or every single like I. And you may not want to, right? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. there's there's that manufactured feel of it, and then mm-hmm. there's that natural feel of it, and there's there's really like there's a few different schools of thought with it, where yeah. some of them are really old school broadcasts, so very compressed, very yeah. Almost, almost like deep and very in front in in the, I don't want to say mix, but definitely like it's so mid forward mm-hmm. that it feels almost suffocating. Mm. And then there are other ones that that actually have the room to breathe a mm-hmm. little bit, and it feels way more natural. You know that people fuck up, like mm-hmm. that's how it's always going to be. Mm-hmm. And like I, that was one of the the biggest things that I've tried to figure out is mm-hmm. kind of like the my own editing style and production style, I mm-hmm. guess, for it to figure out. Cause there's gotta be a style. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean like those decisions that are like a crew. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're right. Cause it's the same. I, I would assume it's the same. Like that when you were doing the record is, mm-hmm. is that there's, there's different ways that you can approach it and you want to try to find what works for you mm-hmm. for the most part and, and what sounds the best to you, which, I hear out of my left ear only. So that, that kind of, really? ruined, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So the, the years of the years of doing shows, uh, I got tinnitus in my right ear. Oh, no kidding. So it fucking, That's... it blocks out everything. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But when I'm on my bed editing, I just put one earbud in and yeah. then it's fine. I can, yeah. I can listen to it on that one. But, uh, whenever that goes away, I'll, I'll probably just quit. I don't, I don't know what, what what's going to happen with that. Like, I, I, that's my like biggest fear so far is losing, yeah, hearing. losing the left one. Cause mm-hmm. if, if that happens, then like my whole being kind of goes away mm. and there's no cure for tinnitus. Mm. Their treatment? Not really. There's, there's a couple things that you can do. Like if, if you have trouble sleeping, you can mm. just put a whole bunch of white noise and it, it just kind of counteracts because what right. it is is basically just like a high pitch frequency that blocks out everything else. Yeah, I, I remember doing shows uh, where I would have to just point my left ear to the stage mm-hmm. to hear the whole thing and balance it right. And like, so it was happening early on. Yeah, like um, kind of right at that time. 
I want to say it's been shit. It's probably been about like nine years. Really? I never uh, knew that about you. Yeah. Yeah. I try to, I try to like play it off that I know what I'm doing, but it's gotten worse over the years. I remember, <laughs> I remember I, I fell asleep one night listening to Queens of the Stone Age and then woke up with it. And it's been like that ever since. Fucking Queens of the Stone yeah, Age. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always think about that. And I was uh, like, if I ever talk to them, I won't, but if I ever talk to them, <laughs> I'm going to blame them for, for my right ear. Uh, yeah, I, I was, it, it's been wild because I, I was literally like standing just with my left ear that way, trying yeah. to balance it out. And you can't, you can balance it out for the most part, but it got worse over time wow. to where I really can't hear shit on my right side. So yeah. if anybody's talking to me, I'm like, sorry, champ, can't hear you. Right. You want to repeat that or do you want to just write it down, I guess? Yeah. Uh, and that, that has made me appreciate a lot more because uh, the the sound is still very very important to me and like yeah. protect your ears, kids. Like go out to the show totally. and like put some earplugs in there. Yeah, I'm just like it's so unf- like unfair that you like I don't have it too. Like <laughs> like <laughs> I mean even still I see like the responsible musicians like in in monopines and everything like putting like niche will put yeah. his ear, earbuds in and I'm like that's a really good idea. Like I. <laughs> I never thought like, you know, that's dorky or anything like growing up. It's not like I have some kind of like, oh, I don't need them or anything. It's just like, I'm stupid. But I don't think people thought about it. And especially <laughs> I, I feel like there was uh, a piece in some kind of pop culture or when you're going to shows, you're not seeing musicians a lot of times use them. They are though. If you look they are club. now. Right, right. I feel I feel like more now because most of the musicians that I watch now are old. But mm-hmm. and and then they realize that oh shit, my hearing's going away. Let me try to protect it. Yeah. But like I I remember basement shows. I remember all these other shows where no like you're practicing in a fucking storage unit and there's no earplugs. There's there's no nothing and you're mm-hmm. chug chugging away and this is really loud sounds and really abrasive sounds that are not good for your ears whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you don't, I feel like when I, I was doing it when I was younger, you don't see that representation mm-hmm. of protecting your ears at that much. Yeah. They should hand them out free. Yeah. Yeah. And when, if I ever do shows again, that's going to definitely be mm-hmm. uh, what I, what I got to do. Like, that and condoms. That uh, and condoms. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Protect your ears, protect yourself, I guess. Uh, yeah, that that's... <laughs> uh, thankfully, you can't get... Well, I can't get STD in your ear, maybe? There's I'm, syphilis. I'm, I'm that's sure a thing. Yeah, that's know. a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that it's something that that's definitely affected me. And it's something that I, I take with me because I remember like listening to Foo Fighters. It was uh, Hey Johnny Park. And they did these oh, pan left and right and left and right. Yeah. And when I first heard it, it was like, holy shit, this fucks with me yeah. a lot. This is great. Yeah. And then when I heard it after I lost it, I was like, oh, this, oh no. this hurts now. Because it's definitely yeah. one of my, it's probably my favorite Foo Fighters song. That's the down and down and down. Yeah. yeah, that's a great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, it was it was just something like something minuscule like that, where as soon as I didn't hear it again, that was what, what yeah. drove me to be like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, this isn't, yeah, livable. Yeah, so it's... I mean, it, it totally is, but I mean, like, this is an ideal, yeah. yeah. It, ideal is a good word to <laughs> put it, yeah. yeah. 
so we'll we'll wrap up here in a in a minute, but yeah. I, I want to see what what do you think about this project in the future? Like, do you think this is a one off? Do you think that it's something that you want to continue to do? Is there any kind of plan for you at all for it? I don't know if the next. I've, I've been going back and forth with that. Like, I don't know if the next Monopines, if there is one uh, album, will you know this kind of music or you know. There's so many things I want to do. I want to do. A, I really want to do a folk album with with Chloe and Cello, and you yeah. know that's like way mellower and uh, still will be informed by the things that I'm inevitably going to be informed by or influenced by. But um, will totally different from this. And can I call that Monopines, or does that need to be something different? But then am I like a dude with seven different <laughs> band names? You know, monikers. Yeah, yeah. So I I do feel like I need to um figure out what I'm going to do, but. Yeah, I think there's going to be more music on the way. I need to figure out, you know, the the plan. <laughs> well, did you did you think about that at all? Like, because I I always think about where it's you're putting yourself in a your own box almost. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's some there's some artists who be like, oh, that's uh, a Kevin Devine song, right? Mm-hmm. Where he can put out whatever he wants to because it's just his name. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's acoustic. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's like this washed out shoegaze shit. It doesn't matter if it's just like a, a pop punk song kind of. Yeah. So it, I, I always think it's interesting, like coming up with a moniker, coming up with, with a, a project name and mm-hmm. trying to be like these sounds and this theme fits just this project. Mm-hmm. But I have to like create a whole other persona when mm-hmm. I do something completely different or mm. even even adjacent to it. Like I, I think of um MF Doom. He's mm. he was one of my my in peace. Yeah, one of my favorite hip hop artists of all time, but he had like 17 monikers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it it was always insane to me. Like he would go through and do these different stuff, but it's it's always been him. Yeah. I mean I think some people are are in love with, or they 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 enjoy the moniker making pro, like naming stuff. Yeah, you know, I like I that for me that's like the worst <laughs> part. Like I didn't want to name it Corey Oglesby, and so the name to me doesn't have some kind of precious label in my mind. Like I do, I do kind of feel like I could do a totally different kind of album and still call it Monopines and just and just sort of announce that like or not announce but like you know have it be known that like. It's just whatever Monopines does, what it does. You know, it's just the yeah. name on the spot. It's how you find it on Spotify kind of right. thing. That's sort of where the name Monopines came from, was like the idea of like this this fake tree. This fake like here are like songs I made in my basement. And like this month I was really into disco. I don't know. Like, you know, what yeah, I mean? like, yeah, yeah. I'd, these are my fake disco songs dressed up like disco. Like the, these are my trees dressed up like disco songs. I really want to see you in bell bottoms now and uh, no, going, yeah, just, just go through it. Like uh, get, get a fucking disco ball. Like I, <laughs> I want to see it now. Um, <laughs> there's, I think, I think there's a Malcolm Moore uh, music video uh, and he's just dressed to the T and then I'm yeah. just like, it works for him. It won't work for a lot of people, but <laughs> it, it, good, good on you. Like way, way to, way to do it. And then uh, there's, there's some, Disco was actually good at one point. Like it, yeah. it felt pretty oh, I love good. Disco, yeah, yeah. And I don't maybe love all the. I don't know what all goes with disco, like culture. You know, the only the thing that I know of is that they all burned uh, disco. Disco was dead, and when it was on fire in a baseball field. Oh right, right. <laughs> yeah, that that's 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 what I remember. I think that's the only like physical death 
of mm. a music genre for a while at least. Yeah, disco sells sells still though. Yeah. I mean, like people fucking love disco. I yeah. don't know. It's cr- it's crazy. I but might do a disco. Do it. Yeah. yeah. Do it uh because I, I I don't think art should be in a box for sure. Um, but it is it is really like how do I differentiate? How does this feel like the same project? Does this feel sure. like the same theme? Like what you were talking about with even like go back to Flash Basket and Asian the Patient for you. Like mm-hmm. that felt different enough to change, even though maybe the players weren't changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think I think as I've gotten older, I mean I'm I'm about how I I think the whole branding brand what's your brand you know like that's like an artifact of like capitalism and of like what's the thing what's the physical thing you made you know like how do i what's the sticker i put on it like what's the label how do i find it in the store is ultimately the like question yeah and we have this pressure to like name it and like to like label it like to pigeonhole it right if if i were to say like my band has no name like prince did that he's like i don't have a name (laughs) and they're like but he was a, so he became a symbol. Like there's got to be some fucking way to sell it. Yeah, and that's all that really matters in this current you know situation. You you have to play that game and to some extent. Like, so I guess I'm 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 just going back and forth with like how strongly do I feel about like you know the Monopines name being a brand, being, yeah. being a thing that like when I think of Monopines, I think of you know, rain applause kind of sounding songs right. or something. I, I would love it to be like, when I think of monopines, I don't know. I just know that they, they, these are some songs that I love and they're by monopines. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's the, I feel like that, that would be like the pinnacle of it of, you know, okay. I've just like what we're talking about with the producers, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay. I know this one dude is, is the center of, of everything mm-hmm. that I like. So, I don't care if it's a folk album. I don't care if it's this really like ambient digital album that I'm going to fall asleep to. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to it because it's that. And you can see it like uh, on directors for movies, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I'm going to go see a Christopher Nolan film because it's a Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I don't care about the actors or the story or anything like mm-hmm. that. I'm going to see it for that person. Yeah. You can't get outside of the thing you make. Like you can't make something and you're not involved or a part of its identity or how people identify it. Yeah. By the definition of identity, I don't know. Um <laughs> like John like John Mayer can like try to do all the kinds of different albums he wants, but it's still going to be a shitty John Mayer album in my opinion. <laughs> like like he could call himself something totally different and not put his picture on it and I'm like there's a song called on his new album called like why you know love me. It's like I'd be like I bet that's a John Mayer song just based on the title. I don't know. <laughs> But to so to that point though is like whenever someone brings up uh, John Mayer, I I immediately think about his blue stuff and how different that is from his pop stuff, mm. and that he's able to because he was touring with Grateful Dead for a sure. while, and you're able to really see okay, right, th- this person's not one dimensional, right, and that should be like the norm rather than the exception. Totally, yeah. I guess a benevolent thing to say about John Mayer would be that. Yeah. yeah. It's like his, his guitar playing can, is, is identifiable. It, it's his strongest thing, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that and his face, like his, his dumb face. Sure, and sure. The, the way there's, there's definitely some memes of him playing blues and it's just not looking good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that, 
I I think that should be way more the norm than the the exception. Sure. And it's, it's it's tricky though when you're nobody when you're nobody and you want to like it. John Mayer is probably like he's got the freedom to do it because he already established. He's himself. an institution in yeah. some ways, you know. It's like there are like John Mayer employees and shit at this point. It's like if you're somebody in a basement. I know I sound like I, I'm continuously contradicting myself, and that's fine with me. Like if you're like a young punk band in a basement, like you you have to have a name, and it's actually a lot of fun to come up with that name. <laughs> Unless it's Ground Zero in the summer of 2001. <laughs> um, but I mean, because you need, you need to be able to exist. Yeah. It's, it's important while we name things, you know? Yeah, you can't just be TBA the entire time. Yeah, you could. I don't know. I, I always thought about making a band like that and then saying, TBA is playing tonight. Yeah. To be announced is still here. Uh, and you never know that it's actually someone there. Yeah. No one will ever come to the <laughs> show. Yeah. Because they don't know who's playing. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's still to be announced. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think genres and, and names and all that stuff is important because their art is still a commodity and a product mm-hmm. a lot. And there is that, that idea of still getting your stuff out there. Mm-hmm. I contend with it a lot with the show where I hate social media. I don't really want to be a part of it, but I have I to be a part media. of it. Yeah. And that's, that's what I contend with the most is that I want to be able to really like separate myself from it and then just put the show out and have that as a show. But Mm -hmm. there's this whole idea of you're the host, which means that you're the face, which means that you have to have it like way more personal. Mm. And that's way, that's the way that people will connect to it. It's not listening to these real conversations with, with these different voices. It's, they're listening in to you and your personal idea mm. and, and your personal view of it. Mm. And I, I feel like that's the same with any kind of art. Like it's, it's their viewpoint, it's their style, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Van Gogh is Van Gogh because, mm-hmm. you know, he chopped off his ear, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's such a culture personality, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not about it and I don't know how to be about it yet. Mm-hmm. Because I hate my dumb face too, so it's <laughs> tough to put that out there, and it's yeah. tough to put yourself out there, and and really like get the traction that you want while also being like, I don't even want this. Mm-hmm. Does that? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's what I'm hearing is like how I feel too. Like it, it's a game you have to play. It's, yeah, it's and it's like you don't necessarily always want to. I mean, like I, maybe maybe that's an for me an issue of confidence or something like maybe if i was looked like john mayer and played like him i would i would want to be on the cover currently i don't want to be on the cut (laughs) i think it's my picture on the spotify and i i keep meaning to change it i I don't necessarily want to be on it you know or like yeah i would love to just have the 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 bio be like you know monopines is in idaho i should just say that i could change that and not a project of cory oglesby or whatever you know i mean i like that but I don't think everybody will like that because they, the people, people that want to know stuff. They yeah, know, yeah. If they want to get close to it, they want to know like who made it and yeah, yeah. And then there's the algorithm of the of the thing and and there's like a pretension to what I'm saying too. Like I don't nec- I don't want to be like you know this guitarist where it's like a KFC bucket on his head. Like I don't want to be like <laughs> buckethead. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like. You don't want to be a gimmick. Yeah, I don't want to be gimmick. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like just be on the thing. Just you know, which is funny. So. 
I, I, I read this sign and I, I put it out on Facebook the other day, but I, I read a sign that said lawn care and I thought about lawn core. Like I read it as lawn core. So yeah. it's just like, it's a cool genre. These, these dads and yeah. grass stained New Balances playing yeah. hardcore. Like, yeah, that whole thing can work because it is a gimmick. Yeah. yeah. And it is, it is, uh, <laughs> I remember Alexandros uh, commented on it and I was like, yes, you're, we're going to have like a, a cold press vinyl just for you. <laughs> yeah. Or a cold brew or yeah, but it's, it's, it's something where like gimmicks sell mm-hmm. and the branding is important. If you really want to make it a product that, that gets to the yeah. people rather than it is like your expression of yourself. Right. I mean, how many bands have you heard of? Oh, you, you, you got to do it. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. I mean, I was reading some article about like the like uh, about Spotify, recent semi recently, and like when they were talking about dif- different bands like reacting to, um, or no, it was about like cassettes coming back and vinyl yeah. coming back, and it, I can't remember the band's name, but um, there was a band that they they mentioned that's like not going either. They're not streaming and they're not releasing physical media, and they only tour. And if you want to ever hear their music, you just have to see them live because they don't believe in like the physical. That's a little much. Right. And it's like, well, it, it just comes down to what you want to do. Like maybe yeah. they don't give a shit about if more than the people that saw them live ever hear it again. I wonder because. But if be, that's something you care about, you have to, you well, know, play. The not game. only that, I, I wonder how they build a community nowadays. Then, Like, do they just tour and that's how it is? Or is there. Which, which I, I can, I can see that being awesome. It's like, yeah, if I saw them in Philly and you saw them in New York and we both have that. You know, oh, I love their, I don't know how to even think about it. Or you tell me about this band that only plays live. Yeah. And then I'm just like, that's cool. I want to experience this. Do I really care to like, but how do I find them? People, yeah, people want it like to pop up on their phone. Unless yeah. it's a YouTube album, like when they did that. And yeah, they, well, yeah. that's a, a whole. That, it's got to be easy. Yeah, the for, edge of it all. Yeah. yeah. And I'm that way too. I, I think they're just like what we're talking about. Like there's definitely that, you know, art for art's sake. And then also trying to get it to people. Like mm-hmm. that's the, the other piece of it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't know how to get in, informed about that band without mm-hmm. going to other shows and like seeing a flyer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that. And that used to happen mm-hmm. 30, 40 years ago because mm-hmm. the internet wasn't a thing. And now I can't grasp my, head around how that's even possible now. Well, now you just, you, you go to Kinko or you use Photoshop <laughs> to make it look like you went to Kinko's and you put a black and white filter on it so that it looks like a, and then you f- fucking upload the JPEG. And just make it as shitty as possible with yeah. as, as much noise in it to, to yeah. get it. And then the you take a real feel. stapler and you staple your computer screen. Staple the image, yeah. Don't, don't do that, kids, but... <laughs> If it's your parents one, go for it. Uh, <laughs> we're going to uh, wrap up with, cool. with two questions. Yeah. Uh, the, the first one is, what do you think that you've learned most about yourself throughout this project, throughout your poetry journey, throughout mm-hmm. uh, any kind of like the, the artistic journey that you've had so far? Mm. I mean, it's a lesson I'm still learning, but just hearing my inner voice and hearing those doubts like we were talking about and, and respecting them and knowing that they are me and how I feel, but also like being like, I'm also full of shit. Like being able to acknowledge like, 
you're wrong all the time about everything. Yeah. So why would this voice in your head going, this is terrible, you're the worst, be right. <laughs> it's probably wrong, you know? Um, so that's been a, an ongoing skill that I'm just trying. I've gotten better with it. I mean, I feel like for me personally, pat myself on the back here, but like doing the album myself became, ended up becoming very important to me, even after we were able to have people over and stuff. And like, I could have redone the album with like yeah. friends and stuff. It was important to me because I was like, it's really exposure therapy in a way in, internally for me to do this by myself and, you know, stuff away those, drown out those voices on my own, my own voice, my own negativity, my own self-doubt and things. Like I needed to do it myself. If that makes sense. Yeah. It was like sort of the chief project of the whole thing. Yeah, because there's, there's definitely that pride moment of it and proving to yourself that you can actually do it. Yeah, and it, it, it's less, I, I mean, I, it wasn't pride like I want everyone to know that I can do this myself. It was more like I want me to know yeah. that I'm, I, I'm not just totally muted by my own or, you know, pushed down by my own stupid negativity. I mean, yeah. That's something that I deal with pretty much all the time. And, and look, you're putting out episodes. <laughs> they sound amazing. I, mean, I, I really, really appreciate that. They're entertaining. I, I still don't think they do, but I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, you might never think that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I never will. But it's, it's something like I, I've, I've really tried dealing with. Uh, and even, even with the, the back surgery, like I feel unproductive and I feel like a piece of shit because most of the time I'm just sleeping. Mm. And, like necessary my, though yeah well that's what my doctor says but that's not what i believe in my head <laughs> yeah, right like yeah. that's and it doesn't help the feeling and then you mm -hmm. get stuck and, and it makes you feel like less of a person mm. and then i'm i'm still like battling with it and, and mm -hmm. trying to like get into get out of my head for so so mm -hmm. to speak of okay it's okay to just rest because your yeah. body is like fusing bones together. It, yeah, yeah. You're doing a lot. Like that's what my doctor says. You are working. Yeah. 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 I, I don't believe it, but like I don't feel productive. So then it makes me feel like shit the entire way. Mm -hmm. And then I just feel like I'm not going to do anything through this entire time. And mm -hmm. now I have a deadline to go back to work. And I know when I go back to work, I'm definitely not going to pursue the creativity or like, mm. That it feels like wasted time, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's, that's been one of the harder parts of, of trying to get those, those voices out mm -hmm. and, and really like not beat myself up. The audio side of it, I've, I finally dialed that in. Like it's cool. Mm -hmm. I, I got a mm -hmm. rhythm of it for the most part. Mm -hmm. And now I just put shit out because I can. Like that's yeah. cool. I'm comfortable with it. But when it comes to most of the other stuff, I'm still very much battling that. Totally. Well, I mean, another lesson I feel like I've learned I, in those moments of silence or non-productivity, I'm not, I'm not kicking out the jams. I didn't record anything all, all year. Or like I went to poetry school and didn't write any new songs, that kind of stuff. You're always absorbing and like, you know what I mean? You're always intaking and like, that's, that's something. I mean, like you're probably, maybe you're laying in bed, but you're, you're probably reading listening to podcasts, you're learning, you're thinking like, what am I going to do when I get back to the shed? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what? And that, that's so important too. Like, I think it's really expected of us to just like crank out, crank out. And that's something I'm trying to get so much better with. It's like, sit and listen too. you know, like let yourself like be the st student, you know, without having to prove that you've learned with like some kind of physical output. 
No, I, I I dig that a lot. Like it's 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 lifting. It's it's you know what I mean. You're you're not baking a pizza, but you're like reading about like famous pizzas and how <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, you're looking up different recipes, yeah. right? Right, and and you're pulling from from other people's experiences. You're you're pulling from other people's kind of like a, a knowledge base or whatever, like the YouTube videos, right? right? And you're you're just kind of like consuming as much as you can to right. kind of incorporate into your own stuff, yeah. which definitely helps because then you're just like, oh, I can actually do this because mm-hmm. I I just did it. Like I, I was able to find this. I was able to mm-hmm. like get it set up the way that I need to. Fantastic. Now mm-hmm. I feel better. And this is just one step and a multitude. Totally. Yeah. Uh, of, of getting to the, the end, which is just publishing something. Totally. Yeah. And the, and the, and the way the times I would feel like I wasted, like I, it, it would only be wasted time if you were just sitting there like loathing yourself. You know what I mean? But it's actually really hard to just sit around and do that. You're still, even in those moments, you're reflecting. I think that's important work too. That's yeah. like, like I'm not making a podcast today, but I'm like reflecting on like what I should do differently or, you know, just looking at, you know, what I've done so far and what, you know, that shit's important too. And like the, if there's any time I wasted during this project, it was the times where I would, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of going to contradict myself, but like it felt where it felt like I was wasting time were those times where I I was like, I have to put it down and I'm going to just like watch TV for like a week and not, <laughs> and not work on the album at all. Yeah. But even that is like not wasted. Like I needed that rest time. I, yeah. yeah. I needed to step the fuck away so that I could see it again. I was in it too much, you know, yeah. that strung out song too close to see. It's like, I was like so close. Icarus, right? Just going up to the sun and being like, yeah, is it? Yeah, you just burn out. Yeah, like and and you definitely need that that step away. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like that. I like that. What do you think keeps you motivated to continue to come back to music mm-hmm. despite all the other uh, ideas or journeys or lanes that you kind of want to go into? It still feels like magic to me. It still feels like um, just like poetry. It, I don't know. I mean everything feels like magic to me in some way <laughs> or like, you know, I'm, I'm mystified by it, but music just, it just hasn't gotten old. It, it, like, I don't, you know, I always want to know more and experience more and hear more. Yeah. Like there, every time I listen to something, I get a new feeling. It's that thing of like, I come out of it. Me plus like I come out like with like something new, maybe I don't know what it is, but like that seems like an endless well. So it's like, uh, is it going to use a shitty metaphor of like is is it a thing i come back to or is it a thing i can't get out of like yeah and it, and I, and that sounds negative but like it's a it's a it's a thing i think it's inescapable i think if it's because i love it yeah because it's all that bullshit i just <laughs> stammered and says because i love it yeah because you're it's ingrained into you like, yeah this is i some- can't get i can't walk down the street and not hear it and want to do it yeah yeah i mean that's that's I wish how had a i had a better feel. answer no i mean that that <laughs> That hits, I think, because I can't not have something playing. Mm-hmm. I have to always have something playing. And mm-hmm. whenever I hear silence, mm-hmm. and if this is ever going to happen to me where I lose the left ear, mm-hmm. like I'm going to lose such a big part of myself. And you're still going to hear music, though. I'm going to feel it at least, right? Like, I, mean, I mean, just the memory of it and the. Yeah, you know, the yeah. Things. 
And it's it's always it's going to be okay. Do I remember this and do I get sad about it, or do yeah. I remember this and do I figure out another way to keep going with? Mm-hmm. It? And that's mm. that's what I hope to be able to to do in the future if something like that happens. Where I hope that doesn't happen, and that's yeah. difficult. Yeah, yeah. It's I, well, I think about it. So I quit drinking about five years ago or so. Mm. But I always think about how my life 10, 12 years ago was so liquor centric. Mm. I was working at a liquor store. I was mm. ordering booze for the store. I was mm-hmm. the, the main person for it. Mm-hmm. And then I sold wine for a while. Mm-hmm. And then like it, it was such a big piece of it. And mm. growing up in this area and being a young adult, most of the times you're just going to go to the bar and and really like that's where your friends are and mm. that's that's what you need to to go to and i don't have any of that attachment to it anymore mm. and i feel like i am i'm it's a completely different life now and that's my only saving grace i feel like yeah that i have that in my back pocket is i've restarted before for the most part sure. if that makes sense yeah and i if something like that were to happen, that's yeah. I feel like I can try to restart again, and maybe I'll just write poetry. You'll figure it out, or or write music, like you said, just re- <laughs> by reading it. I mean, yeah. Was it Beethoven that I should know that shit? Was it Beethoven that was that was totally deaf? That feels right. Beethoven or Mozart? It's one of those. That's like first grade knowledge that I should know. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah, fine. but it, I, uh, I I have faith that you'll if that happen, it won't happen. There First you go. Of all, that's that's it. Should it? You'll you'll you're resilient. You'll figure it out. Yeah, I I I like that. I I I can write poetry or write music. Yeah, I can always do something, and and the restart it can be a whole new life. It'll be fine. Yeah, I dig it. All right, that's it. Awesome, man. Fun.